Which of us is starting? <laughs> I was going to let you start. Okay, then let's start. Okay. This is Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. We are on episode 64. I'm with Ben Lindbergh, who is in New York, New York. I'm Sam Miller in Long Beach, California. We are coming to you Wednesday morning uh, after game three of the ALCS, in which the Yankees have fallen behind three games to none, uh, which is an interesting way of phrasing it, I notice. Why didn't I say the Tigers have gone ahead three games to none? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of doing the same thing in my recap. I don't know, mm-hmm. East Coast bias. Um, so uh, I imagine there are a lot of factors about this game that could provide interesting conversation, but I think all anybody is going to be talking about today for the most part, and so we might as well participate, is the uh, last inning of the game in which uh, Joe Girardi uh, did not go to his bench in any instance to uh, send a right-hander or switch hitter up against Phil Coke, despite having right-handers and switch hitters who are very famous Um and uh, so that has caused a lot of uh, debate. Well, I guess debate, although uh, it seems to be a <laughs> one-sided. Yeah, I think it, most of the debate is who can be more um, hostile toward the decision. Although um, there is some, um, I guess there is some debate. I'm right now looking at <clears throat> Jason Park's mm. Twitter feed, and in a number of uh, replies to people, he is defending. Uh, Girardi's decision to give you a sense of his perspective a few of his tweets are like uh, A-Rod is a complete mess right now not only can he not square velocity but he has to be rattled by the demotion Uh, managers are tasked with knowing their personnel considering A-Rod can't square velocity right now anywhere near the belt and above I'm not sure he represented an upgrade that's why they play the game why not just sim the game you can't say it was probably never going to work no way of knowing that so uh, that's the um, that's that's Jason Park's perspective. Um, do you have a perspective? I don't think it is quite as open and shut as some people are making it out to be, or uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily one of the worst managerial moves that we have seen in recent years, which is something I saw someone say. Um, I think on paper uh, he probably should have pinch hit um there are a lot of different factors involved and i mean of course the the platoon advantage in this case is not as large as it might be in other cases um i mean i I agree that ibanez versus coke is not a good matchup it was not likely to lead to a good outcome at all uh Ibanez is bad against lefties coke is good against lefties so that wasn't uh i mean that's not what you want to see down one run with two outs but um i mean the fact that joaquin benoit who would have faced a rod or swisher uh is excellent against opposite-handed hitters. Um, The platoon advantage is not quite so dramatic against him. And then there's the pinch hit penalty to factor in. And then, of course, there's the fact that A-Rod and Swisher have been awful. Um, And I guess mostly the debate comes down to what you think that means. Uh, Do you think that a manager 
I mean, assuming that they're both healthy, there's been some speculation that A-Rod is maybe feeling some after effects of the broken hand that he had earlier this year. Um, Obviously, none of us has really any information about that. But even if you assume he's fully healthy, I guess the question comes down to what Jason was tweeting about. If you think that the fact that A-Rod has looked like a mess lately, and he absolutely has, uh, he's 0 for 18 against right-handers this postseason with 10 strikeouts and had a, a pretty lousy year against right-handers overall. Um, it's just, you know, what do you think it means if a, if a guy looks absolutely awful and is swinging through pitches right down the middle? Does that impact your projection for him going forward? And I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that's something that managers are maybe paid to know i don't know that it's well, they're possible to, for, they're, they're certainly paid to make a decision i don't know if they're paid to know i don't i mean they're they're supposed to try to know yeah it's it's right. awfully 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 hard to say that so who knows whether they know i, I yeah. don't know um i mean if if it was just a pure gut feeling and he didn't have a great uh, he just kind of had a, a bad feeling about it uh, I guess I'd be less inclined to forgive it or condone it than I would be if there were some sort of data behind it, or if not numerical data, at least um, meaningful scouting data. And I honestly don't know. I guess the, the default position is just to assume that there isn't or that it's not as meaningful as the numbers. Um, I don't know. Do you think that I mean, if you look at at studies of hot streaks, you see that a, a hitter who's cold isn't necessarily likely to continue to be cold, that he's just as likely to start hitting um, as, as not. At least if you're looking at the whole population of players, it's not necessarily true looking at an individual player. I suppose it's it's possible that a manager could look at one particular player and see that he's doing something that would lead to less success. I, I don't know. Do you think that that's possible or is it just uh, magical thinking? Well, <clears throat> I don't, okay. I'm going to back up a little bit and answer this in a little bit of a roundabout way. If I even do answer it, which I probably won't. Um, but when we talked about the Abanez game, when he brought in Abanez for the first time against a rod, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we, uh, you wrote, and then we talked about how uh, he he talked. He said Girardi said it was uh, a gut decision, a stomach decision, a heart decision, not a binder decision. And we sort of talked about how sometimes uh, you know the gut turns out to be supported by the numbers, and um, and maybe the gut isn't worthless. And in the the uh, not to imply that it is, but whatever. In the uh, weeks since then, um, I've actually been. Kind of, I've I've sort of come to think that actually Girardi was probably just maybe just saying that it was from the gut because mm-hmm. there's there's certainly I think a a trend in baseball since the scouts stats merger of maybe a half decade or so ago um, to nonetheless uh, if you are a stat savvy uh, executive GM whatever to nonetheless kind of downplay that part of your personality mm-hmm. and upplay the scouts part, which makes sense because you're running an organization of um, people who might still be a little leery of that. And certainly the players might still be a little leery of that. So the, the default position, no matter how stat heady 
your team's GM is. Uh, you will never see him uh, not give at least equal weight to scouting and all that stuff in his public mm-hmm. speech. Um, and I think that, I mean, that maybe that's um, just because scouting is such a huge part of decision making. But also, I think just from a, a PR perspective, there's really a, an effort to bend over backwards to show that you're uh, you're not only on stats in in a way that I think that a uh, a scout focused GM does not have that same pressure to to display balance. So Girardi gets mocked for years over his binder, um, and he, you know he knows that the the, the um, mental perspective of his players so you know he's got a a lot of um he's got a lot of incentive to say that it's gut gut is a more in that context in the in the context of a baseball team gut is a uh, more defensible position for a manager than binder um and so i came to just sort of believe that he, he actually was making a binder decision but um then last night i felt uh like uh that, that, that actually I was wrong again, and, and it, it actually is the gut. Um, I suppose that, that you could um, – there, there are different ways of spinning the numbers or of crunching the numbers, but it seems to me that uh, he had probably um, four good places to pinch hit um, that I would think that the numbers would justify pinch hitting um, in that situation. Uh, in those situations, Ibanez was only the fourth of them. I thought that um, pinch hitting for Gardner, even with a righty against Verlander, would have made more sense, uh, given the value of um, of extra bases in that situation. I thought that pinch hitting for Ichiro made a ton of sense, given that um, you couldn't pinch hit or you couldn't uh, replace Coke after Coke had come in, mm-hmm. so you're guaranteed to get the platoon split there. And again, the value of power is greater than the value of um, of, uh, of an Ichiro single, I would think, uh, especially because there's not a, a, a real huge difference in, in OBP there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, um, and then I thought that the Ibanya situation is just um, absolutely a no-brainer. I, I, in, in my perspective, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, ruling out that it's not a no-brainer and that probably all uh, baseball decisions worth debating about are, are more nuanced and closer than we think. But um, I mean, the fact is that the platoon split was, uh, or the platoon disadvantage for the Yankees was massive, and the the idea that Benoit is good against lefties, and so um, you wouldn't even get that platoon split back with with Switcher. I don't know. There's there seems to be a, a kind of a lionizing of Benoit in this conversation that people are having, where it's like, oh, well, you don't want to get Benoit in the game. Benoit allowed 14 home runs this year. Um, you know, some of some of home runs, uh, some 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 home run per fly ball rate is, of course, due to fluctuation. But 14 home runs from a reliever who pitched 70 innings, mm-hmm. 10 in the second half. I mean, Benoit had basically a league average uh, season as a reliever. He's not he's not the guy who the Tigers signed who had the uh, insane season with the Rays two years ago. Benoit's a good pitcher. I like him. Uh, I wouldn't mind if he were you know closing for my low budget team, but. It's not as though Benoit was – like you don't manage to avoid Benoit at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what the question was. I don't remember <laughs> going where I, guess, I was going. I guess the question was whether you believe that a manager can, through talking to a player or through observing a player uh, in combination with you know, consult, oh, I consulting remember. with his I front remember. office, can he – No, I remember where I was going now. Okay, go keep okay, going. So, so, then, so I'm going to tie this into what I wrote in the pregame – series uh, uh the pre-series uh preview i should say mm-hmm. um 
which was that um, Girardi had this great moment of uh, gut success. And there's a little bit of a danger because as cool as it is to have a smart gut and to um, be able to, to, uh, to, to have the years of expertise that Girardi has to be able to internalize these decisions and, and make these uh, decisions that, um, that would overwhelm all of us, you still don't want to have too much faith in your gut. You never want to start believing in your own magic. And I think that um, there's always a risk that, I mean, yeah, I think probably Girardi does see um, better than we do uh, when his players are slumping or when they're um, in a good place. But you, there's such, I think there's such a, um, there's there's such a uh, bias toward overvaluing your own um, evaluative skills that I think that probably when you start making increasingly um, uh, um, kind of out there decisions, um, you get into a danger. You get it's sort of like um, with punditry, where if you are a pundit. The incentive is for you to make increasingly outlandish claims or predictions. Um, and I think if you're a manager and you start managing too much from the gut and you start, um, uh, I don't know, believing too much in the uh, the, the power of the uh, idiosyncratic decision, then you can end up looking sort of foolish. I think that – I personally think that Girardi looked foolish in this game. And I think that Dave Cameron made a great point a, a moment ago where he said, look, if – if A-Rod or Swisher had started this game, would anybody have been calling for Ibanez to pinch hit for them against Coke in the ninth? And there's just no way that that's true, and I think framing it that way makes it clear. Yeah, I guess so, although I'm sure there would be some segment of the Yankees fan base who would call for that if A-Rod had gone 0 for 3 with three ugly strikeouts. Um, I don't know, but I mean, for me, I guess the fact that he wasn't starting the game is a... Is a, well, against is a, a righty, meaning, though. Is a meaningful thing. Against uh, a righty, though. I mean, not starting against right. a, a right-hander is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if by that by that logic, no one would ever be pinch hit for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough because you see certain people defer completely to the uh, theory that, that a manager or that a team knows something we don't and that... Whenever they do something that seems silly to us, it's because we don't know uh, all the facts. And then there's uh, people on the other side of the spectrum completely who think that that's silly and that teams are not all-knowing and that the other people are giving them too much credit and that uh, if they think they know something, they might actually not know something and that... And that really we're pretty close in overall knowledge or ability to evaluate these sorts of decisions. And I'm not sure exactly where on the spectrum I am. I guess I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've talked to front office people who have been displeased with something that their team's manager did um, and didn't defer to that manager so I don't know uh that seems to suggest that even someone who kind of does know all the facts in the background can still disagree with what a manager does unless then you 
want to say that, well, maybe the manager knows different things than the front office person does because he has looked into his players' eyes and uh, and gauged their confidence somehow that way. Um, I don't know. It's uh, It's something that there are many ways to approach, and I guess most of the ways that we would approach them suggest that uh, it was not an optimal decision. But well, let me let me ask one more thing. Um, everybody has pointed to uh, Rodriguez struggles against right-handers this year, um, uh, you know, as kind of a reason to sit him for Ibanez or or Chavez, and um, you know, similarly, his his uh, numbers against left-handers would suggest that he would have been a good person to bring in against Coke. Um, a Rod, curiously, um, or I guess this isn't all that interesting. It's just sort of uh, quirky. But he has uh, a one-point platoon split in his career, um, and in three before this year, um, he actually had sizable reverse splits in each of the previous three. Um, do you think that that's a factor? I mean, we if you didn't know anything, um, well, I guess if if not for uh, uh, how to put this? Okay, so the, the the split this year that shows him being still good against lefties is a very small sample because splits against lefties mm-hmm. by nature are. Um, do the previous three years, do you think, uh, create a, um, a more compelling reason for the Yankees not to even think that he can hit lefties? And sorry about the chainsaw. You can hit the chainsaw. <laughs> Let's say, um, let me see if I can move. I mean... So you're saying that the the three years before this year he didn't he was fine against righties. You're saying he was fine so, against righties yeah. and he was poor against lefties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it matters. I don't know. Splits are so dangerous. I don't know. I guess I'm. Do you think A Rod is at his core actually better against righties because of those three years of splits, or do you think those were just a fluke? Yeah, I don't think I would believe that he's better against righties. Yeah. Um, I don't either. I wouldn't either. I am willing to believe that that during those 18 at-bats where he struck out in over half of them, uh, I'm talking about the at-bats against righties this postseason, I'm willing to believe that during those at-bats he was less likely to succeed against righties than his platoon splits would suggest. I am not necessarily willing to believe that that means that he is still less likely to succeed against them. You... I misspoke a little bit. It was actually before this year. It was uh, sizable reverse split in 2011, sizable reverse split in 2010, sizable reverse split in 2008. So three of the previous four years, and then the fourth year that it were were almost identical. Uh-huh. So uh, did I put that clearly? If I mean I'm I'm willing to believe that while he was looking so terrible, as Jason was saying, and he was swinging at bad pitches and not swinging at good pitches and swinging at good pitches and missing them completely. I'm willing to believe that that during that period, uh, I guess his true talent against righties was less than his career splits would suggest. I don't know whether it's safe to say that it still is or that it would be tonight or tomorrow. Um, does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. So I thought that after the first couple days of, um, you know, after the Abanez game, I thought in a way it, it sort of almost made um, Alex Rodriguez kind of more sympathetic. I thought mm-hmm. it made Girardi look good because Girardi, you know, stood up to 
this superstar and and got a great result out of it and played his gut and whatever all that and a rod kind of looked good for you know not making a big deal out of it for mm-hmm. you know i think you could feel a little bit of sympathy for the guy um and so now though girardi has i think just totally mangled this thing maybe for good reason maybe to win games but uh this is now way past the point of no return right i mean this is going to be yeah, I think so, but but disastrous for but Arod has of course completely erased any sympathy there was for him too, with the autograph ball thing. Um, yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I saw references to it. I have no idea what there is. There was a a post uh, a New York Post report I think yesterday that Arod uh, during the most recent game I guess at Yankee Stadium had been flirting with some women. Uh, a couple rows behind the dugout and sending them uh, a ball with his autograph and phone number and uh, and had generally been not focusing on the game. People were outraged, of course. Um, so Wouldn't it be great if we found out that A-Rod actually was unavailable to pinch hit because he was taking a nap in the locker room? <laughs> Griffey style. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that kind of... That, that, I think erased any tendency people would have had towards sympathy for him. So, but yes, it, it certainly is hard to imagine the Yankees going into 2013 with both A-Rod and Girardi um, at this point, which I wouldn't have said certainly a couple weeks ago, but it, uh, I mean, as much as they've both said that it hasn't damaged their relationship, it's kind of, hard to imagine that someone who's accustomed to being a superstar can swallow this and forget about it and let it go. All right. Well, that's the end of this show. More baseball today. We'll be back tomorrow.